You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Welcome to the Christadelphian Video Service for our talk on the woke world. In this particular series, which will be of three parts, we're going to cover a number of things in regard to the situation that we're now facing ourselves in a world that has gone very much down the path of woke. And so we need to ask the question, what is woke? What are we talking about when we talk about the woke world? Well, here are some definitions from the people who preach woke as to what woke really is. So woke is not an acronym. It's being alert to injustice in society, especially racism. And you'll notice the first definition says we need to stay angry and stay woke. So you have a combination here of a new form of words, a new set of values, but also something that's presented in an angry way. And as we go through these slides, you're going to see that anger is very much part of the woke world. Another definition there is being alert to racial prejudice and discrimination. Another one, the meaning of woke is being aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. So you can see that woke is very much about campaigns in the areas of race, discrimination and social justice. What woke does is it's actually very much about reinterpreting the accepted history of the world and of the nations in which we live through woke dogma and critical theory. And we'll explain those two terms a bit later on. I want to just say that many of the illustrations you'll find in this presentation that we do in this series of three talks is very much about uh, things that have happened in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and I'm sure you can find similar examples wherever you live, but the work situation is not something limited to one country. It's all over the world. So let's talk firstly about the history of work. We want to trace the recent history of humanistic thinking, not going right back to the time of the Renaissance when it started, but looking at the most recent history in the last 30 or 40 years and to see how we've ended up where we are today with the woke world around us. And then in this session, we're going to look at some of the woke principles and the battle tactics that they use uh, in the fight that they think they're having with the world in general. In later sessions, we'll look how society has been changed. We'll look at some emerging issues such as the trans and the language control. And then in our third session, we'll look at how the churches have capitulated and then look at the lessons for any particular individuals and particularly for our own communities. So we're going to start off today looking in the first session at the history of how humanistic thinking has evolved into the woke world in which we live. But before we do that, we just need to realize that what we're seeing here is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. These are prophecies, some of them taken from the second of Timothy chapter three, some taken from the Lord's Olivet prophecy in Luke 21, and the final one taken from Revelation chapter 16. But the theme is the same. In all of these prophecies that are related to the end times, we have a warning that times are going to be very difficult. In 2 Timothy, it says, in the last days, perilous or dangerous times will come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, despisers of those that are good. 
Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Men shall turn away from the truth to fables. The sea and the waves roaring, said the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, agitation and strife and, and, and disharmony amongst the nations. Distress of nations with perplexity. You know, the confusion of nations as to know what to do with the, the way things are unfolding. Then, of course, we have the days of Noah and the days of Lot, where there was corruption, violence, and particularly in the days of Lot, there was the tremendous uh, outburst of what we would saw today as alternative lifestyles. When we come to Revelation chapter 16, there's a prophecy there about a spirit of madness breaking out just before Armageddon, a spirit of madness that would work miracles. In other words, insane ideas that would very quickly restructure the world in which we would be living at the time of Armageddon. Well, the prophecy about men being lovers of their own selves is certainly something even the world can see. And we live in an age which is the me, me, me generation where the Western world is very much about promoting oneself and it's called the age of selfie. So men shall be lovers of their own selves and that's something that we have been encouraged to do in this particular generation. The prophecy in Revelation 16 I mentioned talks about three unclean spirits like frogs and, and Revelation is a book of imagery, a book of of symbols that actually are portraying political events. So when we have three unclean spirits, we have godless and evil attitudes. They are like frogs. And of course, these, these particular attitudes come from the French Revolution, the war cry of which was liberty, equality and fraternity. And France has a long history of association with the symbol of the frog. Spirits, attitudes, policies and values they called in Revelation spirits of demons. And in the ancient Greek world, when the Bible was written, most of the world believed that insanity was caused by the possession of a demon. So when we have a spirit of demon, we have an attitude of madness. It says in Revelation 16 that these attitudes of madness will work miracles. In other words, sudden inexplicable changes in society are going to take place as a result of these spirits going forth into the world ending up with bringing the world to Armageddon, which is the divine intervention where Jesus returns to judge the world. So today, we see these spirits at work in the world. The old catch cries of equality. Today, we find we have diversity, inclusivity, and rights being the terms that are used in the woke world. Liberty means moral freedom to do what I like, and fraternity means enjoying the good life. And, and they are the, the spirits of the attitudes that have gone into the world which are going to bring it to a state where the Lord will arrive to judge the world in righteousness. So that's Revelation 16 explained. So the spirits of insanity. Well, when 2021 opened, it didn't take long for the, the madness to be released. And in the US Congress, a congressman who was actually a reverend of the church closed the session of Congress with a prayer, ending it with the words, our men and our women, which of course was... Uh, a salute to the woke generation, the equality of women. And he did that with a prayer to the God of heaven. Quite amazing. That's the spirit of insanity to, to use words which they have invented for themselves. The word our women is not a word. And the word our men does not mean anything else but so be it or thus shall it be. And even Donald Trump Jr. had more theology than the reverend who gave that prayer. He tweeted this shortly afterwards. Amen means so be it in Latin. It isn't a gendered word, 
but that didn't stop them from being insane. And there's the spirits of insanity that were unleashed on the world a couple of years ago, and it's only getting worse. The Bible advice as to why this is important to us is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 18, and I'm reading here from Waymouth's translation. And the Apostle Paul says, Therefore I warn you and implore you in the name of the Master no longer to live as the Gentiles and their perverseness live with darkened understandings, having by reason of the ignorance which is deep-seated in them and the insensibility of their moral nature, no share in the life which God gives. And there's a pretty stark warning in that particular quotation that if we actually follow the world into a path of godlessness, into a path where they have no moral values anymore, then we are moving ourselves completely away from the ambit of God's salvation and of the life which God can give. So there's the warning. This is why this is a mindset that kills. The, the perverseness of the woke generation we will demonstrate to you, their darkened understandings, which is the rewriting of history, and the ignorance to the facts which are very much there in front of them. So there is a mindset we have to avoid, and it's very much epitomized by the woke generation. And here's why it matters. You probably know the old parable about the frog. But if you throw him into boiling water, he will instantly jump out. But if you put him in normal water and slowly heat it up, the frog will tend to adjust as he goes along till the point comes where he hasn't got any energy or will to move. And that's what the woke generation can do to us if we're not aware of its dangers. We can be slowly boiled and, and not actually see coming the damage that will be done to us. And the constant barrage of woke speak, of woke language, and of people going down the path of following woke is like being boiled slowly in that water. So going back to our history, how did human thinking evolve since the French Revolution? You can see there illustrated the Declaration of Human Rights that came out of the French Revolution with its catchphrase of liberty, equality and fraternity. How has it evolved? Well, let's just go back to 1980 approximately. Humanism had been developing over a couple of centuries. It was actually crystallized in the 1980s into a, what was called a worldview. And the worldview of humanism said this, that God was dismissed as not even existing or irrelevant if he was. Men put their faith in science and reason to, to take over from God, and that with reason and science, they would solve the world's problems. They also came up with the value that there is no absolute right or wrong anymore. The morals of society were brought down to you can do whatever you like, providing you don't infringe somebody else's rights. And that was the very much the output of the humanistic view on morals. In the end, because there's no God, there was no afterlife, there was no judgment. It's all about you and your right to the good life now. And so the selfish me generation arrived. But humanism largely failed. Perhaps two of the things they did actually achieve was a, an awareness of the environment. And, and for example, whaling was very much reduced in the world. And they also did a great service in bringing disability out of closed corridors and into the public eye. And that's something, again, we can be thankful for one of those changes that needed to be done that came from the humanistic period. But not much else was achieved. So humanism was eventually abandoned as solving the world's problems. And what now we moved on to in the mid-1990s was a thing called postmodernism. So modernism or humanism was there in the 80s. We moved on to postmodernism, which was the now the new worldview. 
And these are their own words. This is from Os Guinness, Fit Bodies, Fit Minds book. And he says this, there is no truth, only many truths. So now we have a theory which says that there are many different truths. They might be contradictory, but whoever believes them, uh, that's right for them. There are no principles, only preferences. So again, we have this removal of anything that might sound like God telling us what to believe or what to do. There is no grand reason, only reasons. Whereas humanism thought they might perfect the world by their science and by their reasoning, uh, now the, the postmodernists have gone to the gloomy phase of saying the whole thing is here without any purpose. It's not going anywhere. There's no grand narrative of where the humans are going. All we have is different stories of how we got to where we are now. And then we come to the real crunch when it comes to postmodernism. This is the new thing that they brought in. And here is what Timothy said in the book of Timothy, where it said, despises of those that are good. The postmodernist says the true believer is the real danger. The real danger is not error, but intolerance. And that's two of the major planks of postmodernism. And of course, anyone that knows their Bible will know that those two statements go right against what the Bible has to say about the values and morals of God. The great insight of our times, they say, is to be the openness and relativism. In other words, we judge everything now by what it means to me, how I feel about things. It's not about what God said, what God wants us to know. We are in, able to judge everything we hear, everything we read by how we feel about it. And our feelings are given great weight of importance in this postmodern world. Postmodernism, says Os Guinness, is an extreme form of relativism. My perception, perception is all that matters. So again, it's very much about being lovers of our own selves, deciding everything from our own in, inward conscience and not by any external forces being adjusted in our minds. Again, their own words. This is Kruger on postmodernism. Postmodernity, in contrast to modernism, rejects any notion of objective truth and insists that the only absolute in the universe is that there are no absolutes. Tolerance is the supreme virtue and exclusivity the supreme vice. You see what they're saying there is that anyone who says, well, I've got the answers, I know what the right thing is, that is the worst thing you can do in a postmodern world. He goes on to say that truth is not grounded in reality or in any authoritative text, which, of course, the first target there is the Bible, but is simply constructed by the mind of the individual or society. And again, our perception, our understanding, what we want it to say is what becomes truth. Now, you might wonder why we're talking about postmodernism. Well, that postmodernism has gone down to, to about the late 2018-19 period. And then along came woke. And they will agree that woke is what they call applied postmodernism. This is the theories of postmodernism now made very active, very aggressive, and very angry. So remember that woke is applied postmodernism. It's being angry about the things which they believe to be wrong. It's taking up the causes that they would like to see changed. And it's doing it on the basis that whatever the individual thinks or whatever the society thinks trumps all the other values that might have been projected at us. And you're going to see how critical this is. So how does postmodernism get into people's thinking? Well, the media, of course, is the great avenue for most people in the Western world to be advised. And the media policy these days is very humanist, modernist based and very woke. And in Australia, we have the ABC, which is incredibly left wing. 
uh, incredibly much into promoting all these ideas to the population. And so the media is very much influenced, influencing these things. Social networking platforms are biased and filtered to postmodernism and to feeding our lusts. And there are many examples of this. Um, we're told that some of these platforms have about 10,000 people doing filtering to make sure that when you Google something, you get what they want you to see and not what you really want to see. So these things are all about feeding our lusts. The postmodern agenda underpins most modern movies. You know, there was a time when you could actually watch some movies and, and say, well, that was quite a good story. There was quite a good moral to it. Now you'll find in almost every modern movie there is a woke agenda, whether it be sexual freedom of some sort, whether it be the new families that they are promoting, um, whether it be trans, they're all somewhere built into those movies and novels that are now being produced. And again, it's that subtle influence of slowly boiling the frog. The education system at all levels, right now down to the youngest preschool pre years, childcare even, are all now being infiltrated with books and with stories and with things that actually preach the work agenda. The academic attitude, the universities have always been the hotbed of, of re rebellious thought against God's morals. And of course, these days they have an open slather that most people who had any values or Christian virtues have been eliminated from the university climate. And you cannot even hold your job if you believe in a creator uh, or you actually preach Christian values. So there's an academic attitude against God that's out there, which is very much in line with woke. Filtered Facebook and Twitter opinions spread very fast these days. You don't have to wait for a book to be published. Somebody makes a statement, it's around the world and picked up by millions in a very short time. For those who are Christians, there's something to be very wary of. There's a new wave of progressive evangelicals uh, led up by a man called John Walton. And he's been writing a lot of books and doing a lot of talks, which are people are viewing. And he's doing a great job at undermining the belief in the inspiration of the Bible. Free speech is now deemed to be hate speech. Once we said we would defend, we might not agree with someone's views, but we would defend to the death their right to say it. Well, that's well and truly gone. Underwoke, you know, they will not listen. They will not allow you to speak and they will cancel you. So anything that they don't agree with is deemed to be hate speech and offensive. And of course, gay rights and transgender legislation is something our government seem to love to focus on because it's popular with the people. And that is something which is, again, slowly boiling the frog. What is interesting is that Christianity is now a targeted religion. In fact, it's the most targeted religion for persecution, criticism, ridicule and anger. Christianity finds it very difficult to progress in communist countries. Um, in many places, it's banned. Other places, it's persecuted. Um, but it's one of the most persecuted religions around. What is surprising about the woke agenda, they very rarely will go out and criticize Islam, Hinduism or Judaism, uh, particularly Islam, because they know that sometimes Islam will retaliate. You see the bottom line here. You might remember the Charlie Hebdo situation in France where a cartoon was published in a magazine which seemed to mock one of their Islamic figures. And so there was a, a massacre took place in the office of that publishing company. So people are very unwilling to criticize Islam particularly, but they love to criticize Christians because in general, Christ Christians are a soft target and don't retaliate. 
In many countries like China, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Christians are persecuted, driven out or eradicated. In the Western world, well, it's interesting, Christians are now being openly targeted and cancelled, and I'll show you some examples of that as we go through. The media is a great influence. This is a, a, a cartoon put out by a world that can actually laugh at itself sometimes. Um, it says on the soapbox, it's not a platform for conservative um, opinions. Extra, extra, read part about it. And, of course, you can see that all the events that might contradict the woke times have been eliminated. And that's exactly how woke operates. If you don't agree with them, then they will make sure you get no space. This is rather a cluttered slide, but I just want you to, to look at the, the background first. Humpty Dumpty, you know, could not be reconstructed. And, and one of the woke's methods that they talk about is deconstructionalism and defined as the, end, the endless dismantling or disruption of the old order, of the old values, and of history itself. So what the woke generation tend to do is to reinterpret the Bible, to reinterpret the standard history we have, to reinterpret information and even ignore facts to suit my worldview. So we rewrite history books. We, we ignore the Bible or, or we misinterpret it. We actually ignore plain facts and suggest that things that are actually black are white. And it's quite amazing when you see this in operation. And I'll show you some examples of this. So one result of this madness is that you're now totally unable to define what a woman is. Just ask the the leader of, of Scotland who resigned recently, she was in a situation where she had male convicts who wanted to be put into the women's prison. And she said, well, we can't accept that. And a reporter asked her in the interview, what is a woman? And she, she actually dared to answer that. <laughs> and of course, she's no longer in the job and she has been ridiculed around the world because she sought to answer the question, what is a woman? And I can say to you, you will hardly find any politician that would even dare to try and answer that question. How ridiculous is that when it's ignoring the obvious facts? Here's an example, just one of millions we could quote you about history being rewritten. A new book was put out in America recently, um, which reinterpreted history. So what they're doing is they're actually going back and they're rewriting the old historical records to show that the world was made in the past, that religious authority powers, colonial powers, the aristocracy, the class wars, they were responsible for the wars and the horrors and the genocide and the persecutions and all the terrible things that happened down through history. And, and so history books have to be rewritten to put a different slant on them. So this major textbook in America came out with all these references to a women's conference in the 1840s that no one had ever heard of before. And it was all the way scattered through this book that came back to this women's conference being a significant historical event. But no one had ever heard of it. But in the process, the Wright brothers were left out. They only invented aviation. This is the war on Western history. And you notice the word anger is going to come up a lot. Anger is now generated against all colonial power. So all the, the, the empires of the old world are now in disgrace because of the way they had colonies in different countries, especially Britain. All slave traders and their descendants are actually also the target of woke. It's fascinating that while there was a dreadful slave trade and it's, it's completely unbiblical and wrong in its time, it was accepted by the, the, the history of that time. It was accepted by the governments of the world at that time, as wrong as it was. 
But what nobody really tells you is that the people who rounded up the, the Africans in particular, going into their villages, chaining them up, driving them to the coast, putting them on ships, were Africans and Arabs. They were the ones that actually rounded up their brethren for shipping off to the Americas. No one rages against the many Middle Eastern countries today who still practice slavery and oppress women in very many ways. You don't see the woke generation going against those people. They attacked the Western history. The West is blamed also for making Islam so extreme. If we hadn't had the Crusades a thousand years ago when perhaps they would be more nice to us. So history is being rewritten to always bring the West down. As a result, many historical figures that were once revered, writers, artists, musicians, statesmen are being cancelled by a madness that looks at the historical work and judges it against the newly devised woke agenda and woke values. And, you know, many of the people who were responsible for setting up nations, putting them on their feet, getting rid of poverty, getting rid of terrible disease, many of these people who did great work in the days of the empires are now regarded as being nothing more than criminals. And so you have this rewriting of history by the woke agenda. The woke leftist movements rage against democratic nations, but you don't really see them getting up in, the, in Tiananmen Square in China to rage against the oppression of the Chinese against the Uyghurs, uh, the concentration camps in China. You don't see them taking trips to North Korea and standing up in front of the dictator there and telling him that he's a, it's a bit mean the way he treats his people and the slavery he puts them under and the starvation that exists. You don't see them even in the Kremlin complaining about the war in Ukraine. Their target is to try and bring down the Western culture, the Western values and biblical values as well. And we just make this little comment, which I picked up from a man called Douglas Murray, who wrote a book about this. And he said, if the West is so evil, so racist, why is it that nearly all the world's refugees are desperate to get into a Western democratic nation? You don't find people getting in leaky boats to get to North Korea or, you know, leaky boats to get into Nigeria and places like that. All the refugees are trying to get into a Western democratic nation. The war on classic literature is another way that the woke generation has made its pressure felt. And so they have put pressure on institutions of all different kinds to get rid of colonial and, and slavery-based things, which they, which they decree. And so the British Library, which is a government-sponsored thing, said we wanted to become an actively anti-racist organisation. So they went through their millions of books and they came up with 300 authors that had to be targeted. Their works had to be removed from the library, such as Oscar Wilde, Lord Byron, George Orwell, Rudyard Kipling, the poet laureate Ted Hughes, because one of his ancestors born in 1592 used slaves, and even Jane Austen gets the chop. Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who of course wrote The Ancient Mariner, was cancelled because his nephew worked on a slave plantation. You notice the illogic part of that. It doesn't have to be that they were slavers themselves. Just a relative being a slaver is enough to get you cancelled. And this is the way that the woke people get in and get rid of the established literature of the world, the established history and the virtues and the values that were taught in that literature. So what they adopt is a thing called critical race theory, CRT, you might hear it referred to. And critical means they are blaming and condemning. And again, we come back to this anger factor. Anger is generated against all colonial powers, especially Britain and America, and against all individual slave traders and their descendants. So they are very much into punishing people for what someone did four or 500 years ago. They want to purge colonial attitudes 
in artworks, in music, hymns, architecture, culture, and even gardening. The British Gardening Society is currently removing plants which are a result of colonial expansion. So again, you get this stupidity going right down to something which has got nothing to do with the values in people's minds. It's all about a campaign, an anger, angry campaign, and most institutions are too scared to stand up to them. Many schools in Western countries are now problemizing whiteness. In other words, making white children feel ashamed and guilty for the supposed sins of the past generations and, and telling them that the whites have had it too good for too long and they need to be sorry and, and take a back seat. Sorry apologies are made by politicians everywhere now and usually followed by some racial compensation claim. And look, there have been some great abuses in the past that need to be redressed. We're not saying there haven't been. What we're saying is this has become the fashion that everyone now has to apologise for the sins of the past. Douglas Murray also said this, if the history of humankind is one of slavery, conquest, prejudice, genocide and exploitation, why are only the Western nations taking the blame? And that's a very good question. Again, because in the Western nations, you, you actually can say these things and not be challenged or brought to account. Words are very powerful. This is a cartoon from Australia, which might need a bit of explaining. The, the great saying in Australia is that something has to be a fair go. In other words, things have to be just and equal for everybody. And here's a guy saying a fair go. But of course, the word fair has changed its meaning. Fair is now tied to white colonialism. Um, and so it's called Aussie devalues and it's not woke to talk about the word fair anymore. And you're going to see how words do change their meaning in the woke newspeak. Statues are being trashed around the world. So they actually find all the statues of the slavers, the, the colonists, the people who opened up places like Rhodesia and the West Indies and, and brought work and prosperity to those places who helped conquer disease in those places. These statues of the men who did those things are now being pulled down. Universities are renaming their buildings. Hospitals are being renamed. And all the people who use their wealth to, to build institutions for the public good are now in public disgrace. In America, in the southern states, because the southern states supported slavery, the statues of USA war heroes from the south are all being removed one by one all over the south of America. This cartoon is an irony. You know, the, the, the whole campaign of removing statues and throwing them into rivers, it's been going on now for a few years. And this little cartoon came out, and I thought it was quite funny because the statue here is dedicated to the cancel culture purge of 2020. And what they are doing is predicting that the way the world goes, that one day their statue is going to be pulled down as well, and they will likewise be history. So a little ironical cartoon I thought was quite amusing for you to see. The terrible thing about the woke world and the pressure that's put on people is that people are all too frightened to speak out and to say, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't add up. That's not what God said. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what society used to believe. That's not even the facts. And everyone is so afraid of the pressure of the woke world that they pass in their spines and they go along and just make an apology. And again, that's a very telling little cartoon about the lack of resistance to this woke generation. So the postmodern agenda that they have, well, Facebook and Google are biased and filtered and prioritized. What they do is when you make a search now on Google and other places, you get what they want you to see. And we give you this example, go on Google Images and, and ask for white heterosexual couples and see what you get. 
you will not get all white heterosexual couples. You'll get very few of them. And that's how they filter what people are reading. Posts that are made to, to uh, websites and to Google and places like that, they elevate the ones that agree with the woke agenda and they put to the bottom the ones that don't. So again, the, and as we said, in Tilikan Valley, we're told there are 10,000 people who are doing this filtering and giving precedent to woke values. They use Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and other social media to shame and destroy anyone who doesn't accept the latest woke language and values. And they, they will threaten people with this, that they will make a campaign against them on social media. And of course, politicians are incredibly sensitive to that. So people then have to apologize for their past posts, things they might have said 20 years ago that actually were the norm in society that everybody believed. have now got to make a groveling apology and say, well, I was totally wrong and I'll never say it again. So the anger, the pressure that work induces creates new issues, new norms, new terms, and they challenge everything that might be regarded as being the old ways of thinking. Extreme positions are adopted by the work world. Feminists condemn all white males as male white supremacists. And if we use language against women that was any way indicative of their sex or their, their colour, then we would be accused of racism or misogyny. But they can call male whites male white supremacists and get away with it. And again, the world will not challenge them on this. Another little cartoon that's interesting, you know, the guillotine here is getting rid of the heads. We've got rid of Huck Finn. Uh, you've got a few spines in there. Um, and woke cutting off heads, the cat in the hat has to go. Um, Mr. Ed, the talking donkey, has to go. Abraham Lincoln has to go. Um, they're now getting rid of Roald Dahl. They got rid of J.K. Rowling. Um, and they are eliminating people with the cancel culture. What is interesting about this woke world is the anger that generates behind it. And when you think how many concessions have been made to the demands of racism, disability, women's rights and gay rights, you'd think that they would be willing to say, look, we've gained a lot. We're getting, we've got a few things left to sort out. We would be thankful for what we have. But no, all it's done is to make that particular type of demanding, that, that type of campaigning ever more demanding, ever more virulent and never be thankful for what has already been achieved. So we have violent outbursts for social justice which occur on our streets. The statues are defaced and, and, and got rid of. Religion is blamed for the ills of society. With no grand hope or future narrative, they take out all these social justice causes. So in the past, people were trying to achieve the good of the world, to solve the world's problems by cooperation. Now it's about, we've got to find something to fight over. We've got teenagers who go on to world forums and berate world leaders. You might have seen Greta Thunberg, you know, lambasting um, the president of China and President Putin of Russia. How dare you? And it just shows you the, the anger that is out there. And rage is the weapon for forcing, forcing change upon the world. Another good cartoon about the cancel culture. They say Newton once offended a neighbor who was cross-eyed. So we will no longer obey the law of gravity. That's how unreasonable it is. We cancel somebody and all the good work and the good things they did because of one thing that we don't agree in their life. And that's the madness of the woke generation, the cancel culture. The sea and the waves roaring, said Jesus, would be a sign of the end times. The Black Lives Movement has an agenda. It's not just about ending racial injustice. It's anti-Israel. It's pro-Palestinian. It's pro-gay, it's pro-trans, and it's opposed to the normal families in society. It's all about changing and destroying the old order. 
And they're just using the Black Lives campaign, the racist campaign and the, and the policing in America as the trigger point to create mayhem. You need to be aware with Black Lives Matter, it's not just about social justice. They're very much against the family. And this is part of their agenda. We are committed to fostering a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative, that is, the normal mum and dad children family thinking. We are committed to disrupting the prescribed nuclear family structure by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care one for another. And what we're seeing now in many countries where leftist governments are in power is that they are facilitating childcare for younger and younger children right down to the age of one or two years old, with the view that they can start educating those children in woke thinking from a very young age. And, and the woke generation wants to get rid of, and particularly Black Lives Matter has an agenda to get rid of the, the family. So again, this is not just about social justice, it's about getting an agenda to overthrow the Western culture. This is Douglas Murray in his book, The War on the West. He says this, resentment in whose eyes the high values find never favour, never find favour, conceals its nature in the demand for equality. In reality, it wants nothing less than the destruction of all those who embody those higher values which arouse its anger. So again, what he's saying there is that the work generation wants to get rid of all the old values that, that they feel that they're upset about uh, and they want to change everything. They're never grateful. Social justice move movements cannot be seen to express gratitude, happiness, or thankfulness for the good things Western society delivers, free speech, democratic democracy, education, health, scientific progress, disability care, and religious freedom. So many of those things are not available in other countries, and yet in the West they are. And the sad thing is that we have people now trying to, to tear down all the structures of our Western society. Well, you know what happened with Black Lives Matter? It broke out rioting on the streets of America. Incredible, many of the businesses that were destroyed in the rioting were owned by people of, of African-American origin and much damage was done in the looting that took place. And it wasn't just about expressing your anger at a social injustice, it was also about a campaign of destruction. Well, there was a right-wing reaction. Of course, no, that wasn't right either. Um, and we saw a terrible scene in the, in the capital in America when the right wing also expressed their anger. But this is to see in the waves roaring uh, against each other and the different values that they stand for. We're going to be pressured in this modern world to accept gay relationships because there is love. You know, and, and people will say, well, if there's love in a relationship, how can you question what that relationship is based on? We're going to have a perception that one saving truth no longer exists, that everybody's truth is of equal value. We're going to be pressured to get involved in social justice campaigns and to be marching on the streets to support these things. We're going to be pressured to vote in elections to correct the, the wrongs of society. We're going to see a focus amongst Christian churches on similarities and not on differences because they accept the theory that there is no one truth that, that brings salvation. And so there's going to be a move towards the churches getting together and only talking about similarities. We're going to be pressured to accept the latest causes and the new reality as being okay and not to question it. In the postmodern era and even the human, humanistic era, it was quite okay for you to say, well, look, that's your view, that's your theory, that's your postmodern ideas. I don't accept them. And you could be respected in many cases for those views. 
But under the woke agenda, that's not allowed anymore. It's no longer acceptable in the world now to abstain, to be different on moral values. Either you're an ally or you are vilified and labelled as part of the problem. And so they're not letting you now have a neutral stand on many of these issues. You've got to be with them or you are cancelled. So getting back to what the Bible has to say about these things. The Bible says this, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of, the, of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For one time you were in darkness, you are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And in this series, we are hoping to expose to you just very briefly, some of the things which we're facing in the woke world in which we live. We need to look for those things that are good and right and true, which are best found from the word of God. But notice the warning, be not deceived. Many people are like the frog boiling in that water, slowly being overtaken by a new form of thinking because they don't see it coming. The battle is going to get worse. Ephesians 6, ours is not a conflict with the mere flesh and blood. But with the despotisms, the empires, the forces of control and govern this dark world, the spiritual hosts of evil arrayed against us in the heavenly warfare. Put on the armour of God that you might be able to stand your ground in the day of battle and having fought to the end to remain victors on the field. So we have to put all of our thoughts, all of our values in line with that which God puts in his word, the Bible. It says in Corinthians, the weapons we fight with are not human weapons, but are mighty for God in overthrowing strong fortresses. We overthrow arrogant reckonings or reasonings and every stronghold that towers high in defiance of the knowledge of God. And we carry off every thought as if into slavery, into subjection to Christ. So our values come from the Bible. And we're going to see as we go through how much in contrast to the Bible, many of these work values actually are but they're also in contrast to plain common sense and reason and fact. Thank you. Welcome to the Christadelphian video service. We now come to our second session in the series, The Woke World, our battle against spiritual wickedness in high places. In our previous session, we looked at the development of the woke world through the humanistic phase of the world in the last 40 or 50 years, then the postmodern world, and we came down to the woke world. And as we said in our last talk, woke is being alert to injustice in society, especially racism. It, it feeds on anger and resentment. It's being alive, awake to racial prejudice, discrimination, or any social injustice. And it's interpreted through the woke dogma and the critical theory and the woke language, as we're going to see in the sessions that are to come. So that's what woke is. And we are just following on now from the history we traced in the last talk. Look at some of the methodology used by woke as we go through it. Remember the predictions we looked at? That in the last days, there would be perilous times. There would be the despising of those that are good. Seducers and evil men would wax worse and worse. Men would turn from truth to fables. 
There would be agitation and strife amongst the nations, and there would be a spirit of insanity that would restructure the world in which we live just prior to Armageddon. And we saw those things were the basis of the, the events we expect to see happening in the world and why we must be very much aware of the times in which we live. So here are the emerging battle tactics which are used by the woke promoters. There's a thing now called woke speak. Woke speak means being in touch with the latest acceptable terms. So you're across what you're expected to say, the, the words you're expected to use, the words you can no longer use to know what the issues and causes are and to be in sympathy with them. As we said in the last talk, it's no good anymore that you just can't say, well, look, you have your view, I'll have mine. Now you've got to be an ally. You have to be with them. So you've got to have woken up to how wrong the past ideas were. And you've got to be open then to be changed and to be molded by woke thinking. And it moves very fast. Another tactic of the woke generation is what is called catastrophism. So whatever issue you're fighting for at any one time, whether it be climate change, whether it be social injustice, uh, whatever it is, your issue has to be portrayed in the media, has to be portrayed in, the, in the, the publicity you put out, in the protests that you make on the streets as a terrible abuse, a great wrong, and you utterly refuse to look at any other perspective on that, look at any other priorities that might conflict with it, um, you just become idealistic about your particular cause. And, and the classic case in Australia is the Greens political party who are totally opposed to any gas or electricity emissions and want them shut down immediately. But of course, they still have them in their homes. They still fly to the parliament in Canberra on jets. They still drive cars. But you see, they will not look at any priorities as to whether society can survive without the coal-fired plants and the gas that we currently have. They don't have to bring out, have, have any answers to these issues. They just say, we want it all closed down right now. Well, it's, it's catastrophism. It's painting your cause as something, as a, an impending disaster. One of their major tactics is labelling. So anyone who doesn't fully support them can be labelled a racist, homophobic, which is, of course, if you have different views on sexuality, misogynist, you have different views to their views on the treatment of women, uh, or you don't like trans, then you are transphobic. And they've got a, any number of labels they can put on you. And in the, if you're in the public arena, or even in, in a job where you're being paid by the government in some way, having a label like that placed on you, whether it's true or not, or just or not, can be suicide for your career. And, and so people are terrified of having a label put on them. And that's a great weapon that they can use. Weaponizing. This is where they become very efficient at using social media. They go back through years and years of your posts in the past. They go back into your writings and your speeches and your alliances in past times of your life. And they find things that don't fit with your current profile, that don't fit with the woke agenda. And they can destroy you. And many people have been destroyed by having their past dragged up. They might have been perhaps in some university society, they might have had some views when they were very early in politics. And those views might have been the views of society. But now they have to make a groveling apology and a sorry statement if they want to remain in public profile. So weaponizing is using social media against people to make them apologize and conform. One of the outcomes of woke is that it creates a very strong victim culture. They generate sympathy by complaining and blaming everyone else, especially governments, 
for their situation. So all of the people who believe they have suffered a social injustice or some inherent injustice of their race, um, they blame everyone else for that rather than taking responsibility for themselves and saying, well, I'm thankful to live in a country that gives me the, the right of freedom of speech. I can contribute. I can improve this country by my efforts rather than demanding to be helped up and demanding sympathy. And then we come to a very interesting tactic used by the works, and that is called intersectionalism. What the work people tend to do is to drown opposition by putting a whole raft of different causes together into one particular statement. So anyone that, that's trying to make a statement on something or reason on one particular aspect is actually drowned out by the very volume of aspects that are thrown at them in these intersectional comments. I'm going to give you a great example of this. President Biden arranged a climate summit and leaders from all around the world participated, including those of China and Russia. And they put up on the stage a 15-year-old Mexican activist. And she then began to berate the world leaders. And I want you to notice the intersectionality. In other words, the bundling of all the woke causes into one statement. And look at the words of a 15-year-old to world leaders. We demand, there's the anger, there's the, the demanding attitude. Comprehensive, non-Eurocentric, there's the attack on the West. And intersectional, there's the word that she's using. Climate education, including literacy on climate justice, there's the word justice. Environmental racism, there's racism. Ancestral and indigenous wisdom, there's the bringing in of, of ancestral wisdom. Disability justice, green careers, and sustainable living. And you're getting all the causes there put into one statement. And she demands that of the world leaders and all of those things to be addressed in one particular sentence. That's intersectionality. That's the way that they silence opponents and confuse opponents by their putting together of all the demands into one basket. Catastrophism. This is making your cause seem that the world is about to end. Uh, this is a great book you might want to look up if you're interested, Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom. What it does is it unpicks some of the incredible things that have been put before us in the world's media, which are now proved to be totally false, claims and predictions which are totally false, and even recent ones like David Attenborough and others that have used false information to try and frighten the world on climate change. And we're not here to debate whether or not there is climate change. What we're saying is people overstate the case and they are dishonestly presenting the case. Here's an example of catastrophism in Australia with the Great Barrier Reef, which is one of the, the major assets. So it's on the World Heritage List. One of the great assets of Australia is the Great Barrier Reef. The Great Barrier Reef for centuries has gone through phases based on the climate around it. But of course, it's become a, a cause for the work generation. And back in 2016, these are the news headlines around the world. The Great Barrier Reef is now terminal. It's in a terminal stage. They despair at the latest coral bleaching data. And that the word terminal stage went right around the world based on reports that were written by people who were opposed to uh, tourism and farming around the Great Barrier Reef. So the whole world started to believe that the Barrier Reef was, was, was going to die. It would never recover. Well, was that the case? Was this overstatement? Well, it certainly was. 2018, the same newspapers, the Great Barrier Reef showing signs of recovery. The reef definitely is not dead. Significant signs of recovery after a mass bleaching episode. 
remarkable ability to cover from near death. And now the papers are saying, we got it all wrong. It's a rare admission that they got it wrong. But it certainly was a case of catastrophism going crazy. The barrier reef goes through phases where it has bleaching periods and then it recovers. It has all kinds of things that come through weather events and then it recovers. It's a great living organism and it's something which is beautiful to see. But again, here's an example of how people are being led astray by false fake news. This is David Attenborough's classic. He put up a photograph and a film recently of walruses jumping off cliffs and he said they were so hungry that they were jumping off and committing suicide. Well, that wasn't the case. Uh, they were actually being chased by polar bears and some of them chose to try and jump down the cliffs to, to safety. But again, you can see how it's presented in the media, like a catastrophic thing that wasn't actually true. You read in the climate change literature that there's a floating plastic island in the Pacific as big as Texas. Now, Texas is a mighty big place. There are islands of plastic floating around in parts of the world, and here's one of them. But it's nothing like the size of Texas, I can assure you. And again, this is something which is put in front of us with a, with a pack of lies alongside of it. Yes, it's a very bad thing. Yes, it's something that needs cleaning up but it's certainly not as big as they claim it to be. Another woke tactic is identity politics. This is a, a political approach where people of a particular gender, a religion, a race, a social background, a social class, or a sexual preference, work out an angry agenda to promote their cause. So they have a way that they're gonna fight their cause and it's called identity politics. So everything then is strained through this particular identity you have chosen. And, and dealing with the one about sexual preference and particularly trans, uh, here's just some examples. The Canadian Parliament members were all threatened with shaming campaigns. There was a, a bill before the Canadian Parliament to, to stop people trying to deconvert people who wanted to go trans. And the members of the Canadian Parliament were threatened, all of them, with shaming campaigns. And surprisingly, they voted unanimously to accept the new trans law, even though many of them probably didn't agree with it because, hey, in Canada, a lot of people are, are strong Catholics, but when it comes to Parliament and their careers on the line, the pressure was too much. President Biden, filling the Supreme Court vacancy, said, I'm going to appoint a black woman. He didn't go for the best candidate necessarily. She might have been a good candidate, but you see, the identity politics was more important than getting the right person. President Biden also said in one of his speeches, transgender rights are the civil rights issue of our time. And while civil rights was a huge thing in America in the 1960s and 70s, um, now we're having trans put up where, in effect, trans has become a big issue like racism. But when you look at trans, it's only a very, very small minority of the population that claim to be in this category. It's not the big issue of our time but it's being made so by the woke agenda using it as a very good battle weapon to change the old maze. So here are some of the woke weapons, insulting generalizations. White supremacist males is a very common term used by the, the proponents of this, particularly the women. Male patriarchy, mansplaining is a term used by our Australian prime minister, a woman at the time, um, a new word she invented to say that doesn't matter what a man says, it's gonna be wrong. It, it's going to be based on his prejudices against women. She called it mansplaining. So they have these generalizations. Uh, white conspiracy theories are everywhere in the woke uh, social media world. In public service and academia and companies, they now have a thing called unconscious bias training. 
that you go, you have to go to. And what they do is they try and find out and, and to, to work out from the clever ways they do these things, who are the people that are conservative and they try and change them and replace them with people who are called disruptors, people who will challenge the old ways, the old values, the old views. And it's not just about better business, it's about getting rid of people who have Christian values. So if you're asked to do unconscious bias training, be very, very cautious. It's aimed at people with conservative values. They're very quick to use government and media regulators to exclude and silence any contrary opinions. So, you know, they go to all the different media boards and they get people's opinions removed who might just be playing, stating the pure, obvious facts of the matter. And, and they use these regulations to get rid of you to saying it's hate speech and that it hurts people. They ignore reason and biology, particularly when it comes to trends. Uh, free speech is stifled. Rational debate is not allowed. And they attack the individual who will raise any matters against them. And they are very, very good at being personal in their attacks. They also create their own language to confuse the facts. And you'll be amazed when you start reading woke literature how much they use enormously big words, allusions you've never heard of, and dishonest arguments. And they love complexity. And I'm just going to show you now a paper that was put in front of the parliamentarians in the world about um, by a queer advocate called Judith Butler. And I'm going to start reading it, but you get an example here of the gobbledygook they use to actually confuse people. And this is the classic case of the emperor's new clothes. If you can't understand this or you can't see it, then you're not worthy for your office. And here's what she said. The move from a structuralist account in which capital is understood to structure social relations in relatively homogenous ways to a view of hegemony which is in which power relations are subject to repetition, convergence and rearticulation brought the question of temporarily into the thinking of the structure and marked a shift from a form of Althusserian theory that takes structural tonalities as theoretical objects to one in which the insights into the contingent possibilities of structure inaugurate a renewed conception of hegemony as bound up with the contingent sites and strategies of rearticulation of power. And I defy you to tell me anything about what that actually means. But you see, you put that in front of a politician and they say, well, it sounds very convincing. And they're not prepared to try and contradict it and say that it's all rubbish. It's gobbledygook. And that's exactly what they are very good at. The attack on language. You know, only in the last week in Australia, the Australian Medicare system, which is our health, our public health system, and all public hospitals now have taken away all the old forms that used to record patient records. And all patient record forms have to exclude the word mother because it's deemed to be a female term and somebody might be a, a male but wants to be called, wants to, it might be a female but wants to be called a man and you have to respect that. So you cannot call them a mother anymore. So in all the hospital language now, you have to use the term birthing parent. And that's because it may be that someone who just, someone who identifies as a male now just had a baby. And if that's not the height of ridiculousness, I don't know what it is. But this is the public health of Australia. We are now not allowed to use the word mother in our public health systems. And nursing, nursing staff have to now wear badges which have their name. And then underneath that, the gender terms they wish to be addressed with. So you might say, my name is, is Fred, I'm a she and please address me as her, um, and that's how crazy it's got. So 
this is the madness. This is the attack on language. And of course, uh, as they say, if you control the language, you control the culture. Even maths and science are now under attack from the work world. Medicine, research and education have caved in. This is the Ontario Education Department. This is not some way out wacky religious school. This is the Education Department of Ontario. We are weeding out Eurocentric mathematical knowledges and replacing them with a replacing them with a decolonial anti-racist approach to mathematics, including indigenous pedagogical ways that include experiential learning. Again, notice they love big words. Indigenous pedagogical ways that include experiential learning. So we're going back to the to the people who had no written language very much um, and to find out how they did mathematics. So they now decree that two and two is five or anything else you choose it to be, but it's not allowed to be four. That is a colonial, uh, a colonial racist structure to say that two and two equals four. And teaching two plus four is now unacceptable as it's a hegemonic narrative. It's something which comes from the past, been imposed on us, and it's not true anymore that two and two equals four. And my little comment in blue is, let's hope these students don't make any aeroplanes or bridges that I have to travel on. It's incredible. Back in 1949, George Orwell wrote a famous book called 1984, predicting the crazy world and the way it was going from his time would end up in a world where you had to believe that two and two is five. And everybody laughed and thought, what a ridiculous prediction. But here we are. It's happened. New Zealand has just appointed language compliance officers by the government. And their job is to check all government documents, all the Labor MP speeches, press releases, publications and contracts, and they must use the new WorkSpeak. And to make it more acceptable, they have said that public servants and MPs will refuse to communicate with anyone not using the accepted terminology. So if you were to write to them and say, I'm a mother, you may not get a reply. You've got to say, I'm a birth parent. And, and that's the way it has to be. And this is the, the New Zealand government actually imposing upon society, not only work speak, but also they have to now use Maori words uh, as a salute to the original inhabitants of New Zealand. What the work people never tell you is that there were people in New Zealand before the Maoris came from Polynesia or South America. And they don't tell you this, that they actually were all eaten by the Maoris. Uh, that's, that's history you don't hear from the work generation. But it's now being imposed upon people. And as they say, if you control the language, you control the argument. And therefore, the concept of free speech is a farce. And that's where they are taking us with language compliance. Down the bottom is a little statement from a, a uni professor in New Zealand called Linda Smith. The term research is inextricably linked to European imperialism and colonialism. The word itself is probably one of the dirtiest words in the indigenous vocabulary. Now, I thought research was about establishing facts. Uh, people don't want facts anymore. They want us to acknowledge uh, all the traditions and, and beliefs and the the, the various beliefs of the original inhabitants of our countries. And some of those, of course, are quite fanciful. But research cannot be acceptable anymore. So this just shows you the craziness that we're now getting in the woke world in which we live. Just some of the madness of the left. You know, they talk a lot about tolerance. They always have. You've got to be tolerant of other people's views. There are many truths. But they'll then say, I'm only intolerant of one thing, and that's your intolerance of my views. And, and it's just a, one of the great conundrums. 
Reason and rational facts no longer count. The radical left believes the collective good of the sense people of the people can't be trusted anymore. They are an outrage industry. They will not debate on facts. It's all about conform or be cancelled. And the cancellations are mounting up. They got rid of Winston Churchill because of his colonial attitude. They got rid of Germaine Greer, which is amazing because she was one of the great forces at women's liberation, but she's also out. Geoffrey Blaney, the great Australian historian, has gone. Fred Hollows, the man who devoted his life and his, his, his um, foundation to giving sight back to people in third world countries, he's gone. Barry Humphreys, the comedian. Richard Dawkins, the, the great atheist, he's gone. Benedict Cumberbatch, the actor, is gone. Rowan Atkinson's gone. And you could go on. J.K. Rowling's gone. They cancel people who they don't see as being of their particular type of thinking. So here are the battlegrounds. Racism and social justice um, is, is a great battleground, but they can be reverse racist to us. They can talk endlessly about supremacist white males and put us all in the same basket. Um, and they can do that with impunity, but you cannot use any terms that are not woke. Historical issues such as slavery and colonial occupation are brought up all the time, and they ignore the benefits that came from it. You think of the health benefits the education benefits, the housing benefits that have come from colonial empires being established and, and some of the better things of the West being brought to them. Equal rights for women are promoted at every level. The complete acceptance of LGBTQIA as the norm is being pushed everywhere. Uh, we have rainbow flags appearing on all of our public buildings now on all government documents. Um, alongside the First Nations flag as, as well as the national flag. Climate change catastrophism, that is, you know, the climate change industry, the um, Extinction Rebellion people are out on the streets gluing themselves to the pavement and disrupting society. Um, First Nation oppressions are being brought to light. And amazingly, things once not accepted by society are suddenly legal, gay marriage, sex changes in sport, etc. So... The world is rapidly changing around us. And this is what it said in Revelation, a spirit of insanity working miracles. If you object to these new attitudes, then it becomes hate speech. So they can be as nasty as they like, as angry as they like, as, and, and aggressive as they like. They can, they can go out and loot on the streets and smash things and burn things. And that's all part of them expressing their valid feelings of, of their values. But... Anyone who expresses a different attitude is not tolerated anymore. And this little comment is quite interesting. Every time hate speech is permitted, it costs someone part of his or herself. And there's the victim culture. Just to hear a reason, different point of view to my woke understanding, it takes away part of me. It hurts me. It destroys me. It takes away part of their self-respect or part of their sanity. It rips people to shreds and destroys society. That's catastrophism. This is the angry language of overstating the matter, which Woke is so good at. This is a comment about this from a man, called, from a lady called Bianca Del Rio. People have gone down this spiral of cancel culture and the idea that everything is offensive. And people use terms like, well, with your views, I don't feel safe. We had a debate recently on the radio in Australia where a politician got up and said, well, if a certain member was elected to parliament, then she would not feel safe anymore because somehow his views would make her feel unsafe and, and take away her sanity. 
And this is the, the victim culture that, that anything you say that, I don't, that doesn't agree with me makes me feel unsafe. And they keep using these terms. I need to feel safe. This cartoon is very telling. Um, sorry, I don't have an opinion, just in case I get vilified on social media. And in Australia, we've had a number of sports stars and sport executives removed. Israel Folau was a, an all-Australian rugby player, had a very expensive contract. He was cancelled because he made statements about uh, the views that God would have against some of the new sexual preferences. The Essendon Football Club, which is one of the biggest in Australia, appointed a new CEO. He was gone within one day on the job because he belonged to a Christian church. They did a lot of trolling on his background. They found that he belonged to a church which had godly values. And somebody in that church had made anti-gay statements and he was removed from his job. The Premier of the state got involved in getting him removed the same day and thrown out because he belonged to a church that had godly values. So you can see they're coming after Christianity in a big way. This is the lady that won the job of being the CEO of the Girl Guides in Western Australia. When she sat at the desk and she read the constitution, she found that before she took the job, they had agreed that any boy who chose to identify as a girl could sleep in the girls' tents on camps. So you could have a 16-year-old boy sleeping with 12-year-old girls in the girls' tent if he said, I think I'm a girl. She then put out to her executive board, um, can we revisit this? <laughs> if we change it back to biological female, are we breaking the law? And she's just asking a question about this, which indicated her discomfort. Well, she was gone sacked immediately because she tweeted to her executive that we need to question this fact and the wisdom of putting 16-year-old boys in the tent with younger girls. Margaret Court, this lady has won the most grand slams of any woman in the history of tennis. I think something like 23 or 24. I think she's still even ahead of some of the men. She in Australia was greatly honoured for her sporting prowess and they named the major arena in Australia, the Margaret Court Arena in Melbourne, where the Australian Open is held, after her. Then it was discovered that Margaret Court is the member of a church in Western Australia, and she made a statement which says, the Bible does not support these new views on sexuality and sexual choice. That's all she said. Well, she has to be cancelled. And the Premier of Victoria, that's him there, Daniel Andrews, um, he wants that stadium renamed. Um, he wants her completely banned from any events in Victoria. In fact, at the recent Australian Open, uh, she was not allowed to, to be there. Uh, he will not even use her name anymore um, because he's so leftist and he hates anyone that has a Bible-based view on this matter. And uh, Margaret Court was given an Australia Day honour. In other words, an independent panel of Australians decided that she should be honoured with an, an, an award in Australia's honour list. And, uh, of course, Daniel Andrews spoke against it. One of our retiring, long-standing ABC journalists, Kerry O'Brien, also was given an honour the same time as Margaret Court. He refused to stand next to her and so refused his honours. And, again, that was because he wanted to keep in with the, the woke generation. He wouldn't stand next to this great tennis player because she belonged to a church that said the Bible doesn't agree with the new views on sexuality. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? We live in a generation of emotionally weak people. Everything has to be watered down because it's offensive, including the truth. 
And I want you to have a good look at this particular little cartoon. You know, it's amazing how even the world can laugh at itself sometimes. Look at the game show title, Facts Don't Matter. And they have picked up exactly the great problem with the woke, and particularly when we come to trans, the facts are no longer relevant. It's about feelings. So in this game show, the, the host says, sorry, Arthur, your answer was actually correct. But Paul shouted his opinion louder. So there's the aggression. He gets the point. An extra bonus point goes to Sue as she was offended by your answer. And I think that's very, very, very lucid in explaining exactly how crazy our world has become. Facts don't matter. Anger does and being offended does. So the next thing we're going to look at in our next session is the challenge of trans and the gay movement. I want to just quote to you the Bible, because the minute that we mention we're going to deal with these subjects, people immediately think we're homophobic or we've got some particular axe to grind against certain people. The truth of the matter is we are standing with the Bible. And the Apostle Paul, guided by God, said this. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. And again, we have this common warning coming up. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, which of course is your trans, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And you couldn't get, and there are statement after statement along these lines in the New Testament. Even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation 21 say exactly the same thing. People who do these things and practice these things cannot have a part of God's eternity. Now, God says if people repent of what they've done, if they align themselves with his values, he will forgive them. But he's not tolerant of evil. God says, I change not. I've made my views clear. I made it clear in Sodom when I destroyed that place. I've made my views clear in Romans chapter 1 when Paul wrote, I make my views clear in these statements. I cannot tolerate these things, and I will not tolerate them, says God. So remember the mindset that kills. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 from Weymouth's translation. I implore you in the name of the Master, no longer to live as the Gentiles in the perverseness live, with the darkened understandings, having by reason of the ignorance which is deep-seated in them, and the insensibility of their moral nature to share in the life of God which God gives. People who think like the woke generation and deny the values of God have no part in the life of God's future. And so we leave that with you to think about as we move on to our third session, which will deal with particularly the trans movement and the religious impact. We need to have a battle. We have to stand up against these reasonings, these defiance of the knowledge of God, and bring all of our thoughts and all of our values in line with the scriptures of truth because we do wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. Be not deceived. So let's leave that there and we'll move on to the next one, which is to do with the trans movement.
Welcome to the Christadelphian video service. Resuming our series on the woke world and our battle against spiritual wickedness in high places, which is a Bible term for the world in which we live. And every generation, those who try and follow God have had to battle against these influences that come through governments and through political forces around them. And it's called in the Bible, spiritual wickedness in high places. So we're going to talk about the dangers that are around us. One of the prophecies the Lord Jesus Christ gave just before his death was called the Olivet Prophecy. And in that prophecy, he warned us about the conditions of the last days. And he said this, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And, and the Greek word that was used by Jesus there is a, a word that actually means to be cool by blowing. And you probably know that if you had a child who immediately puts a, a spoonful of soup in their mouth and burns themselves, you say, look, blow on it, blow on it. Um, and that's the idea of this being cooled by blowing of cold winds. Um, and a translation called Rotherham, which is a very good literal translation, says, because of lawlessness being brought to the full, the love of the many will grow cold. And we are certainly seeing many in our society uh, losing all their affection for the things of God and their values that came from God and even the Western values of the society they grew up in. And, and particularly when it comes to God's things, the love of many shall wax cold and be cooled off by the, the forces that are against us. So the challenge is, where are we going to put our confidence? Where are we going to look for guidance? From where are we going to shape our values? Well, here's what the Bible advises, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we need to come back to what God has said that we might understand exactly what it is that God wants us to know and believe and to do. And so we don't go to the wisdom of men because it's constantly changing and it's often proved to be totally wrong and rejected by the next generation. So we put our trust in what God has said. So the challenge of the last days, we started off previous sessions just reminding you that we are dealing with this because the Bible predicted there would be in the last days many grievous things come at us. Dangerous days, men being lovers of their own selves, despising those that are good, seducers and deceivers waxing worse and worse, the sea and the waves roaring, agitation, strife, anger, perplexity, and of course, sexual choices being opened up everywhere. And we're going to talk about some of those in today's sessions. It's a spirit of insanity, working miracles, restructuring the world. And we noted in Revelation 16 that this is. One of the things that will lead to Armageddon, and that is this crazy attitude that the world has taken on, this insanity that's out there today that will eventually bring the nations into great conflict and God will intervene. So we're looking at these things because they are around us today. Remember we said in defining woke that this is being alert to injustice in society, especially racism, staying angry, staying woken up, alert, being aware, being aggressive, knowing all the facts, using the right language. And that means you have to reinterpret the accepted history. You've got to ignore facts and reason and accept ideology blindly without questioning it. And you have to control the terms that are used and the language that is used. And you get rid of the nonconformists. And this is the aggressive, active postmodernism that we now call woke. Remember, postmodernism made the point that tolerance is the supreme virtue and exclusivity. That is, you believing you are right or you believing that God works with certain people and not with others is the supreme vice. And that's something they will not have. 
uh, and they will not accept any text to guide them in that. So as the Bible believers, we're going to find ourselves very much in opposition to the woke generation and the postmodern world. The battlegrounds, racism, social justice, colonialism, slavery, language control, equal rights for women, the gay movement, trans movement, climate change, First Nation oppression, sexual rights and Christianity being attacked. They are the battlegrounds and we're going to show you more examples of that now. The methods, well, all historical texts can be interpreted as you want. So it's how I feel, it's my perception. I read history now as I want to read it. I only look for the bits that support my viewpoint. I ignore the facts that might be there. I reinterpret what I do read to say, well, that might be teaching something else. And I impose my values on history rather than history shaping my values. I ignore the writer's intent. So anything somebody, anything somebody writes, I have the right to say, well, how do I feel about what you wrote? And I can reinterpret it, uh, ignoring what you meant it to say, to say, well, I think that should mean this. And, and of course, when you come to the word of God with that approach, you are in very, very dangerous waters because God has made his views clear. He's written his word. And when people contradict what God has said, he gets very annoyed. So we cannot just go particularly to the Bible and say, I'm going to only take what I feel agrees with me. History can and should be rewritten as it's probably only recorded to control us. This is the great excuse to rewrite history, that what we have recorded were only the things that people wanted us to know. History is now judged by modern norms. Instead of saying, well, that was done at the time, it was done for good reasons, uh, it may have been misguided. It might have even been too colonial in its outlook. Um, but whatever happened, happened. And we now have to try and make good some of those things. But you can't judge history by modern norms. And, and in Australia, the stolen generation is a classic one where children who were likely to die through neglect were actually taken away uh, from their parents and, and, and given some form of living, uh, have become this great thing, the stolen generation. Uh, equality of roles is now projected back into history and, and people are criticised because women didn't have an equal role down through history, which was actually the case. They didn't have an equal role in history. Um, but history is being rewritten and rejudged by modern values. Yahweh, the God of the Bible, is judged by modern values to be a God of genocide. He ordered the destruction of the Canaanite nation. Uh, he condemned gays. He oppresses women, so they say, and, and they say that God is against women and that he approved slavery. Well, God never approved slavery. Uh, God dictated the rules for people who would be in work or in service. Uh, people who were paying off debts had certain rights and privileges that were afforded by God's laws. God never approved the slavery of the kind that we saw in the Americas uh, and which we still see in the Middle East today. The, the battle tactics we looked at in our last session, woke speak, that is using the acceptable terms, being in tune with the, with the current causes. Catastrophism, that is really making your issue being the terrible, a terrible abuse, something about to destroy the world and refusing to look at any other perspectives on the issue. Labeling, putting a label on people to humble them and to ruin their careers. Weaponizing, using social media to destroy careers and reputations and, and looking for groveling apologies. A victim culture, all of these people who claim to be 
part of the social justice movement claim they are victims and therefore want compensation and, and some form of change around their cause. And we saw intersectionality, which is using all the courses as a combined basket of weapons. Okay, well, we've noted that one thing about the woke world is the anger that it generates. They haven't thanked the world for all the things that have been improved. What they now have more violent outbursts. They're now attacking all the historical figures, blaming religion. And because they have no future hope, they are taking up fights on every front on social justice issues. These are the things that we're being pressured to, to accept gay relationships because there is love, to ignore our perceptions of one saving truth, to get involved in social justice campaigns, to vote an election to correct wrongs, to focus on Christian similarities and not differences, to accept the latest causes and new morality as being okay, and to be supporters. And we're going to see some of these things at work in just a moment. Even the Disney Corporation has capitulated to work pressure. They are now planning to create a quota of gender non-conforming characters. In other words, characters who can be male or female, or the opposite of what they would actually appear to be. So again, out of popularity, out of wanting to preserve their profit margin, Disney's going down the path of gender non-conforming characters. You know, once Disney children's movies, particularly, up, uh, stood up for family values, uh, now they're going in the opposite direction. So, again, the pressure is enormous upon corporations. The compliance office in New Zealand we spoke about, they force you to use the woke words or they will not even talk to you. So let's come to our next challenge. The LGTBQ and it goes on with a number, like an alphabet that follows, ending up with an A, which is the ally. Um, and particularly the part of that we're going to talk about first is the trans. And remember, we made this quotation from the Bible. And, this, and we had one from Ephesians. This one is from Corinthians. Know ye not, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. And there it is. In every passage you get it. Be not deceived. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. The effeminate and the abuses themselves with mankind. So God is very clear in his views on this matter. God's values are absolutely beyond any question. The trans phenomenon. Let's talk about the whole trans thing, because this is the big one that's going on in the world right now. So the trans people would say to you that everyone has the right to nominate their gender, and it can be done on an almost daily basis. We have children in Australian schools that come to, to school one day as a boy and the next day as a girl, uh, that schools now have to build uh, single-person toilets um, so that people can cannot uh, just wander into the opposite toilet regardless of their biological making. Um, but you can nominate your own gender now in most public schools in Australia. Uh, and that, of course, goes through to the workplace, uh, and it's even now uh, causing a great debate about the prison community. It's supported by social media platforms, and, and there are plenty of platforms. If you start looking for it on social media or on Google, you will find plenty of platforms that actually are very positive about uh, trans and about gender dysphoria. Negative posts are removed by content trollers, people who put up posts on social media against trans uh, against it in its wisdom in a practical sense or even in its moral sense, 
their posts are removed by content controllers. What you get instead are being are trans influencers, and the trans community have identified a lot of influential people. Many of them are well-known movie stars, sports stars, uh, people in the entertainment community um, to become influencers. You can link up to their websites and you can read their stories, you can read their advice, and they will influence you how to get around your parents, to get around your doctors, and to go down the path of a trans uh, change that you might uh, follow your gender dysphoria. And gender dysphoria is a term that they use for somebody not feeling comfortable with the body they're born in. So in that dysphoria, you can actually then go to these influencers who will tell you the ways and advise you and encourage you to go down the path of getting yourself changed to a different biological sex. Schools and doctors who uh, find out the children want to go into trans can ignore parents' objections. And children, many children, thousands of children uh, have been put through uh, trans treatment processes um, and it's very sad some of the outcomes but a lot of that was done without parental consent so again they're taking away the family as the unit of society up until about 2004 when mobile phones became very much in the population gender dysphoria was a very small percentage of society it's something like 0.0001% were actually people in, in the Western society said that they felt they might be in the wrong body. And it was mostly boys who felt they really ought to be girls. Alenco mobile phones and smartphones came in, tremendous connection across social media platforms, tremendous influence by people who put themselves up on those platforms. And now it's a hugely popular thing. It's come down to set the estimate perhaps 0.2 of the population now say they are gender dysphoric, uh, and 70% are now teenage girls. And, you know, girls in those teenage years are incredibly susceptible to peer group pressure, to image pressure as their bodies change, and it's now become almost an epidemic plague amongst teenage girls. What's now happening in the world and happened in Scotland recently is that male criminals are very cleverly demanding of society that, that even though they might be biological men, they, they, they identify as women and therefore they must be put into a women's prison. And when the Scottish um, parliamentary leader would not do that, she, of course, was under tremendous pressure from the, the woke media uh, that she was uh, not accepting trans as a genuine phenomenon. So amazing, isn't it? The, the, the things they end up with that actually give them complications. You can only imagine what's going to happen when male criminals, particularly the rapists, are put into women's prisons. The dangers of trans therapies is something they will not tell you about on their influencer websites. And history has already shown in the last 20 years that many young people have made a decision to convert at an age where they're very young and very vulnerable and not mature. They are not given all the information about the outcomes. Parents are left out of the process. And it usually starts by them be putting on puberty blockers. And this starts at the ages of, of 9, 10, 11, 12, through the teenage years. And they try and stop the natural process of puberty that teenagers go through. Uh, they put them on hormone treatments to change their, their makeup of their hormones. Um, and what they're now finding as we get to see the outcome of these things is that in many cases, they cause other complications 
side effects, and in the case of many girls, infertility. And even if they decide later on that they really are a woman, they may never have children. And it's an incredible burden to put upon people who who at an age they really couldn't work out if this is what they truly wanted. After the treatments, chemical treatments are, have gone through, the next stage is radical surgery where people have, uh, females have their breasts removed um, and then genitalia is surgically operated on to try and make it look like the opposite sex. And you can imagine that brings many complications, many infections, many issues, and it's virtually irreversible later on. And there are many, many people now who've been through trans who regret their youthful decisions and are doomed to childlessness. And it's, it's a tragic thing. And we're now seeing uh, numerous court cases from these people against the institutions that took them away from parental influence and did these things to them. I'll give you at the end of this session some reference material and particularly encourage you to look up Tavistock Institute in England. Unless ecclesias or churches have determined policies before this comes up, there will be divisions because sooner or later, we're going to have gender dysphoria arise in Christian communities and it's going to be divisive because some people will say that it cannot be accepted based on what God has said and others are going to say that we need to, to, to look after these people and care for them and help them and include them. And we're going to have this debate raging around our ears before very long. There's an amazing contradiction in the sexual freedom movement of our world. Transgender dysphoria has no biological basis. People who believe they're in the wrong body are not that way because they are lacking hormones or chromosomes or anything like that. Um, there is no biological basis, and they will admit that. It's a personal choice based upon self-image to change to look like the opposite sex or to behave and to be treated like the opposite sex. So it's a personal choice, and they're very strong about that. It, they ignore completely the biology. When you come to the gay community, their great claim is that we are born abnormally sexual and we don't have a choice. We have to follow our biology, which is to be attracted to the opposite sex. And they claim that's biological. It's not a choice that they would like to make, but it's a choice that they cannot help making. And it just shows you with that contradiction how that the flesh is always capable of justifying what it wants to do and to follow its own human lusts. So what we're finding now is that governments are getting on the bandwagon and banning deconversion practices against trans. So in the state of Victoria, the state of Tasmania, in Australia, in New Zealand, in Canada, it's unlawful to engage in prayer, discipline or counselling in order to deter a trans-inclined person from their chosen course. And so both teachers and parents can be uh, taken to court if they try and, and convince somebody this is a bad move and to try and, and go through different practices or counselling to get them away from that, that course of action. So it's now become illegal in these places and many others are going to follow because it is surprisingly popular with the public and politicians like to be popular. The one reason that's always given for people to be protected from deconversion from gender dysphoria is that they are at risk of suicide. And there are very high rates of suicide amongst those who have gender dysphoria. Um, there's a great mental stress amongst people who are going through this belief that perhaps they're in the wrong body. 
And so they quote the, the risk of suicide as the reason why we must let them do what they want to do. What they don't tell you is that now that we have heaps of data on people who have been through a sexual reorientation process, that the, the suicide rate and the mental stress rate after, the, after conversion and trans conversion are just the same. The gender dysphoria has not gone away. Many of them are incredibly mentally damaged by what they've been put through and what they now have to live with. Many are sterile and many, many of them are regretful they ever did it. They don't tell you that. They don't tell you the suicide rate is the same with or without the law to protect these people. But governments do the popular thing and they make it illegal to try and deconvert people from this course of action. So what do we end up with? Well, we end up with transgender impacting on women's sport. This is Laurel Hubbard, who is biologically a man, but has been winning weightlifting competitions in New Zealand uh, in the women's division. She went to the Olympics and, and didn't win, which is probably a good thing, but nevertheless, she's biologically, admits she's biologically a man, but she wants to compete in the women's events, and they, they've let her do that. The other one here is more interesting. This is Leah Thomas, who was a male and born a male. You can see there that he, was, he grew up a male, but when he got to college, he declared himself to be a girl, and he has broken every United States college swimming record for women. Um, and all those records have been accepted, um, even though, of course, now there are some organisations that are starting to, to undo some of the damage that's been done to women's confidence in sport by men competing as women. Uh, some organisations are actually now removing some of those records, uh, but you'll find the general trend will be to accept them. And, of course, it's going to demotivate women to, to, to participate because they'll be, in many sports, competing against stronger biologically stronger males um, and that's only proven fact by everything we know that males generally can lift heavier weights can generally uh, do some things which require more endurance than women can do um, and of course it's going to make women's sport very unattractive we had a cricket carnival in australia where it was a women's cricket carnival for uh, high school students a team of boys declared themselves to be girls and won the carnival and you can imagine how motivating that was for the girls. So what has God said? And, and, and we are doing these talks because we come at it from a point of view of wanting to know what God has said. Well, right back in Genesis, when God created the earth and put man and woman upon it, he said this. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And that's absolutely clear. God made them to be different biological creatures. And Jesus quoted those words. People often say, oh, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, Jesus quoted those words. Have you not read when he which made the beginning made them male and female? And he went on to say this, that God's institution of marriage that he did back in the Garden of Eden is also what God wants. A man leaves his father and mother, cleaves to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And the Bible only recognises legitimate relationships between a man and a woman in marriage. And that's absolutely clear. So the Bible's made its point of view absolutely clearly known. And the world is out of step with the things of God. In the law of Moses, there was a law against cross-dressing. The woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man, and the man shall not put on a woman's garment 
for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. And again, why we don't keep the law of Moses? Yes, that those laws have passed away. But there's a very clear principle there. This is an abomination in the eyes of God. And you have to wonder how God looks down upon our Mardi Gras that's happening in Sydney at the moment, where enormous amount of cross-dressing is going on and enormous amount of people parading themselves in defiance of everything God stands for. But God's views are clearly known. It's an abomination to God to cross-dress, and male and female is the relationship that God intended inside marriage. Well, the government in Victoria has just been returned. Um, they are a very powerful Labor government in Victoria. Um, this is Victoria in Australia. And the Premier there is in a crusade against Christianity, as you can see from the article on the right. They brought in a thing called the Equal Opportunity Religious Exemptions Act, which is classic wokeism. It sounds like this is where religious people will be exempted from some of the things the world has taken up. Well, it actually makes it harder for Christian schools to employ only Christian teachers. So it's a classic case of woke speak uh, or double speak where you call something which is the opposite of what it really is. This is legislation to stop schools discriminating against non-Christian uh, teachers um, or teachers of a, of a sexual preference being discriminated against by private schools. But they call it the Religious Exemptions Act, and it really is designed to be the opposite. The Change or Suppression Conversion Practices Act makes it an offence not to affirm someone's trans or gay identity. So it's not just that you can't... Uh, attempt to deconvert them if you don't affirm them if you don't say yeah that's fantastic go right ahead that's also a crime now in victoria and what an amazing thing you can legally change your gender but it's illegal to even think talk or pray about not changing your sexual orientation or choices so what a crazy world we live in and this is how the governments are supporting these work values particularly when it comes to trans so, again, we come back to what the scripture says. Don't be deceived with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Don't become partners with them. You were once in darkness. You now walk in the light of the Lord. Discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And that's why we're talking about these things. It's, it's up to us to actually say these things are not what God is pleased with. Let's go on to talk about postmodernism and, and wokeism coming into religion. In the last 20 years or so, churches, Christian churches have realized they've got declining congregations. So what they did is to bring in marketing experts to address that. And the marketing people said, you've got to find out what people want. So you don't give them what they, what they need, which is to know the words of God. You give them what they want. So what the marketing expert says, you've got to get rid of this doctrine, talking about that's important to believe certain things. Get rid of exclusive denominational names. So you can go around now and you won't find denominations on most churches. It will be Hope Church, Victory Church, Faith Church, Family Church, Spiritualist Church, something, but anything but denominational. Critical topics are set aside. You don't talk about sin, morals and repentance. You talk about meeting human needs. You provide entertainment, support groups, social life, drama, spectacles, and modern music. So again, the marketing people said, 
find out what they want, give them heaps of that, ignore what they actually need. And so to get people through the doors, that's exactly what churches did. So religion became a cafeteria-style approach. You get lots of goodies, so you go to these big churches, you have support groups, you have a craze, you have drama, you have spectacles, you have choirs, you have um, all kinds of things happening, and you choose those that suit you. You talk on positive subjects. You don't focus on sin, death, and repentance or righteous judgments to come. You talk about the love of Jesus, the love for each other. Only positive things get mentioned in most of the talks and addresses that are given in these, these particular institutions. There's a feel-good culture. You have a right to be happy. God loves you any way you are. You don't have to worry about your sins, your eternal uh, salvation. God loves you just as you are and you become the centre of the universe. It's not about God, it's about you. This poster was found in a workplace recently, just emphasising how we have become the centre of the universe as individuals. It's not about God being in the centre, it's about man being in the centre. And if you quote up the, the number of times in this passage that you comes up, it's 20 times. It's okay if you don't know what to feel. You see, your feelings are important. If you don't know what you want and you can't figure it out, as you go. It's okay to not want something you worked so hard on getting after you realize it isn't what you thought it was. It's okay to change your mind, to make mistakes, to walk away from someone you once loved, from something that once meant the world to you. It's okay because this is your life, your course, your body, your beliefs, your mind. It's all about you. And that's exactly what the world is promoting, putting man at the center of everything. And the churches have gone along with this. I'm going to show you some dramatic examples. So the churches had an overwhelming desire to appear relevant. They accepted the, the great catchwords of woke, which is diversity and inclusivity. You don't exclude anybody and you accept all the divergent views that people might have. And there's an assumption in a lot of Christian churches that tolerance is a Bible concept and it's anything but. You go back and read about the God who condemned Cain the God who condemned Lamech, about the God who drowned the world in the Genesis flood, about the God who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, about the God who eliminated the Canaanites. You go back and look at all the times that God has judged his people Israel for their wickedness and for their evil and their false worship. Look at AD 70 when God destroyed the Jewish nation completely and look at the future judgments the Bible talks about. Tolerance of immoral values is not a Bible concept. So the churches will accept gays and pra practicing gays into leadership roles. Women priests and teachers are promoted when the Lord Jesus Christ did not choose any women for his disciples. In the Bible, in the law of Moses, there were no women priests. There was a select group of men who were chosen by God to be priests. But today we have to go on the equality path and women teachers and priests are put in place by the church. Clear Bible teachings on morality are overlooked such as unmarried couples living together and all kinds of sexual perversions. Theistic evolution is accepted in most churches today as scientific fact when it's anything but, uh, and that is something which is coming into most Christian communities in a big way. Even the Jehovah Witnesses now will not tell you that God created in seven days. A focus on ecumenism, which is, of course, the commonality amongst the churches rather than the differences that they once espoused and the getting together all the different churches, only talking about the things which they agree on. 
There are many misconceptions out there about the Bible. This is by a man that we once thought was pretty intelligent in Australia, Hugh Mackay. He's the leading sociologist in Australia, and he's often quoted in the media. And he said this in his review of religion. He said, Jesus did not come to teach doctrine, but to tell us how to live and to care for one another. And that is a very common misconception by progressive Christianity, that Jesus was not about doctrine. Well, read what Jesus said. He came into the word for it. I must go, he said, to preach the kingdom of God. That's doctrine. He went about preaching the kingdom from village to village. He said, repent and be converted. Those that believe the gospel will be baptized will be in the kingdom. Those that don't believe it will be condemned. He taught doctrine. And so it's a great misconception to think that Jesus is only about telling us how to live and to care for one another. Jesus was very much about promoting the kingdom of God and the purpose of God in the earth. Here's a Catholic bishop in Australia. He said this, we cannot talk about the inclusive love of God. Now, notice he's using the woke word. We cannot talk about the inclusive love of God while at the same time colluding with the forces of oppression. There's the woke anger in the ill treatment of racial minorities, women and homosexual persons. It won't wash with the young. Now, notice his criteria for whether you speak about something or not is whether the young generation will accept what you say. Well, I'm sorry. God has always and often been out of step with the current thinking of the younger generation. And, and we have to, all of us, align our thinking with what God has said. And just because the young find it hard to accept that God has made certain values and, and truths known doesn't mean that God's going to change them. So it's not about getting people through the doors by watering down what God has said. But you notice again the, 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 the typical woke language, even from a Catholic bishop in Australia, but it gets worse. Billy Graham. Some of you who are older will remember Billy Graham was an evangelist who in the 60s, 70s and 80s and through into the 90s travelled around the world preaching hellfire for those who didn't actually repent and be converted. Um, he was very much evangelist, believing in the, the coming of Christ and the judgments upon the world. And he gained worldwide fame. He was consulted by presidents uh, over the years for his views from the Bible. But before he died in his old age, we get this from Billy Graham. And it just shows you how much the world has influenced the, the great Christian thinkers of the times into accepting their viewpoints. And he said this, whether people come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the non-believing world, they are members of the body of Christ because they have been called by God. They may not know the name of Jesus. Now, I just stop there and say, how can you know you're called by God if you've never heard of Jesus? But they know in their hearts they need something they do not have, and they turn to the only light they have, and I think they are saved and are going to be with us in heaven. Now, his theology about heaven, of course, is totally wrong anyway, but he has put into his view of heaven anyone who believes they need something. And that's the, the only criteria there is they feel they need something. And that, of course, is nothing to do with what the Bible says. But it just shows you how the woke pressure has come upon a man who once would never, ever have accepted that as his philosophy. And now he's trying to be inclusive and diverse in his views. Well, then we go to Pope Francis. Now that the old theologians like Ratzinger have gone, 
Pope Francis is coming out very openly and saying that we have to be a diversity. So inclusivity is the language of the Pope nowadays. No distinctions matter to God. How nice that brothers are united. Now, this was at an ecumenical gathering, a gathering of all the heads of the Christian churches where they talked about the things they agreed on. How nice we're united, that brothers pray together. How nice to see that nobody negotiates their history on the path of faith. That we are diverse, that we want to be and already a reconciled diversity. And it's just loaded with woke language, with woke speak. A reconciled diversity. And there it is. All truths have to be respected. Now, that's coming from the head of a church that once brutally persecuted, tortured, burned at the stake, murdered and drowned everybody who was not a Catholic that they could get their hands on. It's estimated by historians that, that over 60 million people died as a result of Catholic persecutions. And now he says we're a reconciled diversity, that we are united. It's just amazing, isn't it, to see how the pressure to be popular makes even Pope Francis use the woke speak that we have today. You know, it says in Revelation about the Catholic system that the world is deceived by its sorceries. And the word there is, is pharmakia. It's like a drug. We are being drugged by this woke speak coming now from the voice and the mouth of this false prophet. And says this, he, Pope Francis said this recently, if someone is gay and he searches for the Lord and has goodwill, who am I to judge? So, again, searching for the Lord and having goodwill is all you need to do. What about obeying God? You know, Jesus said, if you are my friends, if you keep my commandments. And Jesus often quoted the, the times of, of Lot to say that that's the world God's going to destroy when, the, when he returns. You know, you can't have this pandering to the sexual preferences of the modern world as the Pope is to do. Who am I to judge? Well, he's supposed to be the head of the church who makes decisions on these things. Again, here's the spirit of insanity working miracles. One of his friends said this in an interview with National Geographic. He won't change his doctrine. What he will do is to return the church to its true doctrine the one that it has forgotten, the one that puts man back at the centre. For too long, the church has put sin in the centre. So reflecting on the history of the church, that they were very much against moral sins of all kinds. Some of them they defined for themselves, but whatever it was, there were moral sins the church would not accept. Now, we don't talk about those things anymore. We put man back in the centre. What does man need? And the Bible says that's wrong because God is the centre and God is the one who sets our values. He wanted to say this, by putting the suffering of man and his relationship to God back in the centre, those harsh attitudes towards homosexuality, divorce, and other things will start to change. This is the spirit of insanity working miracles, even on the Catholic Church. The Pope will not condemn practising gays. He's now allowed women to perform parts of worship ceremonies in Catholic churches in some countries. So the church is trying to keep up with the times. Again, it just shows you the pressure that work can bring to bear, even upon an institution like the Catholic Church. Well, he also has given up on the seven days of creation, even on the fact that God created by miracles. Addressing an Academy of Sciences conference in 2014, the Pope said this, the theory of evolution is not incompatible with the existence of a creator. So we're now accepting Darwin. 
when we read about the creation in Genesis, we run the risk. Isn't this amazing from a churchman? We run the risk of imagining that God was a magician with a magic wand able to do everything. But that is not so. Isn't that incredible that the papacy does no longer supports the creation record, that God in six days made the heavens and the earth as we now see them around us? Jehovah Witnesses, once firm creationists, now teach the six days were actually six very long periods of time. They're trying to compromise with the pressures of the modern world. Well, the Bible says God is a magician. God is a miracle worker. He's the ultimate miracle worker. This is Psalm 33, verse 6 to 9. By the words of Yahweh were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He said, let dry land appear, and it was so. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. God is the ultimate miracle worker. So be not deceived. This is Ephesians chapter 4 again from Weymouth. Till we all arrive at the oneness of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, and at mature manhood and the stature of the full-grown men in Christ. So we shall no longer be babes, nor shall we be resemble mariners tossed on the waves and carried about with every changing wind of doctrine according to men's cleverness and unscrupulous cunning, making use of every shifting device to mislead. The challenge for people who believe they are Bible-based is to grow up to the head, the Lord Jesus Christ, to mature manhood and then that full-grown person we are meant to be in the image of God's Son. We are not to be deceived in a world that is always changing its doctrines and values according to how clever men can be and how unscrupulously cunning they are with their shifting devices that constantly mislead people. You know, these warnings are timeless. They come right down to the end of our times in the 21st century. Well, we have well-organized forces even inside our communities who use the internet to convert people to accept theistic evolution. Um, look at the terms. I'm not going to argue about theistic evolution here. That's for another time. But these are the terms they use, which are the woke terms. Truth needs to be rediscovered. So the old truths that we had have to be re-examined. They want views on, on creation and evolution to be tolerated no matter what they are. We must reinterpret the Bible. That's deconstructionism. They want the right to hold new truths and say they're uncertain details. So, again, there is no right or wrong when it comes to what you believe about, about creation and evolution. And if you stand against them, then you are cancelled. Uh, you are accused of catastrophic things that are going to happen, and therefore you are condemned. Again, it's all woke tactics. And again, this is how wokeism comes into our Christian communities. Be not deceived. This is what Paul said to Timothy. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while even people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And even Jesus warned about the last days, be not deceived. Many false prophets shall arise. Take heed that no man deceive you. We have to be very careful about these new ideas, this new woke language, this new woke speak and these new woke values because they are part of the great deception that will bring the world to Armageddon. So how are we going to be challenged from here on? Well, here are some of the symptoms that you will start to see even in our uh, Christadelphian communities, even in many other Christian churches. There will be a Jesus-only approach. 
a tremendous focus on the Gospels, and there's nothing wrong with a focus on the Gospels. But you're going to see less and less interest in the prophets, less and less interest in the law of Moses, less interest in especially the book of Revelation because people regard it as being too harsh and too hard to understand. And so there's going to be a great concentration on just talking about the love of Jesus and the character of Jesus. We're going to see theistic evolution coming into our communities, an undue respect for science and reinterpreting Bible foundations and questioning the full inspiration of the Bible. That's one of the great products of theistic evolution is that the Bible's inspiration is put to great question. Rewriting of accepted historical interpretations, as we mentioned in the first talk, the work of John Walton, he's now re-advising much Bible history and interpretations. Some communities will be so desirous to remain relevant and accepted by those around them that they're prepared to give up many of their principles and doctrines. Our Bible views will attract increasing criticism. We will become increasingly unpopular. We do not go out on the streets and seek to, to create fights and arguments with these people, but they will hunt us down. They will find out our views, and there are people who are going to lose their jobs because of their views uh, and their values that they hold. There will be pressure to have inclusivity and diversity in our community. And you might think that that's not happening. Well, let me show you that it is. We're going to lose the sense of uniqueness of our hope. The, the, the hope that we have is based around the great hope of Israel, the promises made to the fathers. We believe there's one saving truth that you must believe to have salvation as a possibility. We do not believe all sincere Christians will be saved. But of course, the postmodern world says Anyone who has a need will be saved. You're going to see people practicing open fellowship with other religions. We're going to see the, the borders broken down between those who hold the truth and those who hold error. A marketing approach to preaching where we go out and give people what they want. We're going to have advocacy to say we need to get involved in social issues and protests as part of our discipleship in Christ. And of course, that's exactly the opposite. Jesus never took on the social issues of his time. He never took on the Romans and their occupation. He never even spoke against slavery, uh, which was a big thing in the Roman world. So we do not get involved in social and political campaigns. We're going to see women speakers increasingly become introduced in communities. We're going to see individual feelings becoming the most important thing rather than the ancient scriptures, which they say are out of date. And the cult of self, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? And your perception, your interests will be de determined by what you want to get and not really always wondering what God has said. So how has it affected us? Well, you find every extreme view, even in our Christadelphian community, can be found online. Feelings and human needs are given credence over God's principles and morality. Social media treat all opinions as being of equal value, but many are quite wrong. There's no editing, there's no filtering to get the right answers that to remain. All opinions are out there, whether they're good or bad. The powerful I think, I feel mindset coming in instead of what God has said, it doesn't take long then and you start saying that the spirit is guiding you directly. We're seeing increasingly alongside of this rejection of religion, uh, the rejection of formal organisations in religion, uh, a rejection of anything that sounds like authority or rules or governance. Uh, we see statements of our community being labelled as man-made and therefore divisive. And 
that leads to the toleration of doctrinal error in immoral situations. And there are lots of examples of this. This is just the trend that we're going to see. The younger generation are particularly susceptible to the pressure of the work generation. They have been taught to learn by discussing, debating and challenging rather than listening to reasoned facts. They then have been taught that you have the right to decide your perception, what you're going to accept or reject of the things you've heard. So they're exposed to many different ideas and particularly the idea that religion, organized religion is oppressive, has a bad history and is and is ignores science. And so they're taught that religion is very suspect and to move away from it. You as an individual have the right to develop your own form of spirit, spirituality and you must be tolerant of other people's views is a critical part of the modern way that people think. God says, I know people think like this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. And we've got to make sure we're not on that path that leads to death by following our natural instincts. Other signs of postmodern thinking in our midst, there's an avoidance of challenging lecture titles, avoiding criticizing the Catholic apostasy and their doctrines, which the Bible very clearly does. Avoid condemning bad morals, a lack of action on, on serious moral things that happen in our midst. Liberal translations are coming up, which have many biased human interpretations in them. Trying to appear socially connected with charity works, so trying to look good in the eyes of the public. Focusing on personal experiences rather than teaching sound and distinctive doctrine. Following the churches in, in moving from educating to entertaining people. Inviting all opinions of being of equal value, whether they're accurate or just wrong, and an ecumenical spirit towards the other churches. These are all things that we need to watch out for that are going to start to come our way more and more. Just proof of that. You know, some of our magazines publish letters they might not necessarily agree with. This was a letter to the Christadelphian in February 2021. And look at this comment, inclusivity and diversity. That's classic work language are how God's kingdom grows. The bride of Christ is culturally diverse and defined by him, not us. So again, you know, not allowing us to read the Bible and to say God has given us the means to define who the bride of Christ will be by the things they believe and the way they live. No, we, we, let, we have to step back and say we do not have the right to make that decision. We've got to be inclusive and diverse, which is straight woke language. Another letter to the editor in June 2021, where this, where this, which is the difference of practice using women speakers, where this is expressed in our ecclesias, it demonstrates a positive characteristic of our community towards tolerance and diversity. I would have thought we should have been a lauding practice, which is in harmony what God has said and God has revealed. And one thing that God has revealed, that in combined worship meetings, women should not be the speakers. And you can look at the scriptures that clearly say that. You know, we are not about tolerance and diversity. We're about what God has said. And it's quite amazing. When you go into some of these websites that preach new ideas, you'll find that if you are not with them, they will cancel you. They will block you from posting on those sites. So again, that's the cancel culture in operation. So many things we need to change. Let's just go on to what our children might face. 
As the children grow up and whether or not they grow up in, in schools that we can be reasonably confident about or not, uh, they are going to have more and more from the world around them the thought that evolution got it right. And the claims the Bible makes about miraculous origins are going to be increasingly questioned. They're going to grow up in a world that says doctrine doesn't really matter anymore, as God says it does. They're going to want to reinterpret the scriptures to fit the world's views on morals and practice. We're going to see many of our communities failing to act on clear breaches of scripture. Marriage to non-believers is a classic one. Uh, immorality, unmarried couples living together, being accepted is another that's happened more than it should. So again, people are, are not willing to say what you're doing is scripturally wrong. Uh, and that's, again, because we're not willing to stand with God. Amongst the young, Hugh Mackay, the sociologist, identified a thing called the SBNR syndrome, that many young people today of a Christian persuasion say, I'm not committed to a community, I just need to be a good person. I don't worry about doctrine or commitment to any organisation. My chosen form of spirituality is all I need to be right in the eyes of God. And, of course, that, again, is not the way that God has decreed that things are. So the battle will go on. This is Ephesians chapter 6. Ours is not a conflict with mere flesh and blood, but with, the, with despotisms, the empires, the forces that control and govern this dark world. The spiritual hosts of evil arrayed against us in the heavenly warfare. Therefore put on the complete armour of God, that you may be able to stand your ground on the day of battle, and having fought to the end to remain victors on the field. We need to be, make sure we're standing with God's wisdom, with God's word, strongly in our possession that we might be able to resist these evil trends that are coming at us. The question is, will we continue to witness faithfully? Will we just give in and go along with the world and start rereading the Bible, rewriting the Bible to match the current world? There are going to be costs. There will be a fear of losing employment because of unconscious bias training where they will identify us as misogynist, as perhaps homophobic, perhaps just belonging to an organisation that has Bible-based views. They will say that they are offended by that, that they are hurt by that, that they feel that we are damaging them um, and that we are using hate speech. So people are going to lose their jobs sooner or later. People who work in universities are finding it increasingly hard to remain there. Even questioning others' religions and beliefs is now deemed to be unacceptable in society and arrogant that we believe that we can criticise someone else's doctrines. So the question is, are we ready that by standing for God, we will be persecuted for righteousness' sake? That was what Jesus said would happen. You should be hated of all men and you should be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Paul said, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And if this world goes on much longer, we are going to see more and more persecution coming our way because of the things we believe. In the end, they were laughing and mocking Noah for his beliefs and they were threatening Lot with great personal damage for his views on morality. They silenced both, both Lot and Noah by their mocking and their threats. Isn't it amazing? You know, we once agreed with George Orwell when he said this, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. That's what free speech used to be. 
But of course, good old George has been cancelled along with all the other writers that the work world doesn't accept. What a tragedy that we cannot tell people what they need to hear anymore. Brother Harry Tennant wrote this before he died. And he wrote it against the spirit that was tending towards fellowship with other churches. We are not one church among many. We are separate from them. We have no part or lot with them. There are next to no similarities over things that matter. How God judges them is not our concern. They do not believe in the same God as us, the same Jesus Christ, the nature of man, the salvation, baptism, atonement, or in the same kingdom of God. They do not share the same beliefs regarding warfare, politics, voting, or belief in the devil. In fact, they do not believe the same Bible. They might use the same Bible, but it's totally different, the beliefs in most Christian churches to those that we believe are the one saving truth. And yet, even in our community today, people are losing sight of the fact that we are a very distinct community because of our doctrines. So there are the pressures from the woke generation. We've been through those before. We're going to be pressured to accept gay relationships, trans relationships, to get to the way that we become ecumenical and fellowship other churches. And you will find already many radical movements have tried this path of going ecumenical, and almost always they end up being part of the greater church outside Christadelphia. Um, all of these things are coming at us because this is the woke world in which we live. So where do we stand on these things? Let us firmly hold to an unflinching avowal of our hope, for he has faithfully gave us the promises. Let us bestow thought to one another with a view to arousing one another to brotherly love and right conduct. There is such a thing as right conduct. We've got to arouse people to understand what the scriptures clearly say. Not neglecting, as some habitually do, to meet together, but encouraging one another. And do this all the more since you see the day of Christ approaching. It's a battle we must have. We must overthrow those fortresses of arrogant reasonings the world has. We must wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places and especially against this woke generation. In the end, God will decide those who are his and those who are not his. Those who God counts as his jewels and those that he counts as the wicked. When God moves mightily in the earth, he's going to come for people who listen to what he said, who think about his name, who appreciate his values. And God says, they'll be mine in the day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. I will come and discern between the righteous and the wicked. And God's going to make that distinction very, very clear in the very near future in the earth. What are we going to do? Well, we must hunger and thirst after things of righteousness, after the positive things that God stands for. It is wise to restrict exposure of ourselves and our children to postmodern media, and especially in the teen generations where the influences are so strong. We must remain sensitive to God's thinking by regularly consulting his word with an accepting mind. And we must challenge the subtle manifestations of human thinking that arise in the ecclesial life around us. And we have to reinforce, reinforce divine truth and morality. All of these things can be done. And I'm going to leave this slide with you for some resources that you can look up, particularly on the trans issue, which is one I believe which is going to come at us like a steam train. There's a great book called Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier. You can get 
which is very good on the on the great damage that was done to so many young people by going down the path of trans therapy. YouTube keeps my Abigail Schreier also available. Look up Tavistock versus Bill, the UK High Court case where the Tavistock Institute put many young people through a trans process and surgery, as well as hormone treatment, and did irreparable damage, which is now, of course, meant that the Institute has had to be closed down because it's so wrong what they did to so many young people without proper advice. Look up Matt Walsh's film, What is a Woman?, and you will see that so many academics will not even answer that question. They will close the interview down as soon as you ask it because they will not want to be seen to say that you can have a choice of gender or not. Uh, they go along with the remote world, which says that whatever you choose to be is what you are in complete defiance of the biological facts. Books by Douglas Murray about the way the world and the Western world is under attack. The madness of crowds and war on the West are very well worth a read. So there are some resources to follow through. Our appeal is that we all go back to finding out what God has said. And that will send us in good said to have the right values, the right beliefs, the right understanding of how God deals with the world, and therefore the right ammunition to fight against the work values of today. Thank you for following this through. And please contact us if you want to find, make any further inquiry on these matters and the Christadelphian beliefs around them. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.